Inside the Groove is a podcast which takes a song by Madonna every episode and dissects its creative process, examining the songwriting, the production and the recording. By playing you the demos, studio sessions and isolated tracks, including Madonna's vocals, sometimes along with previously unheard takes, we explain why Madonna has been behind some of the biggest moments in pop history for the past 40 years. This episode, American Life. It's part country ballad with rolling acoustic guitars and part glitchy techno pop with electronic beats and it is accentuated by a 16-bar rap in the second act before an instrumental fade-out reminiscent of the song Don't Tell Me from her previous album. It was released on 8th of April 2003 and it was the first taste of Madonna's latest project some 20 years since her very first chart success in the early 1980s. American Life reached number one in Canada, Denmark, Italy, Portugal, Switzerland and the US Dance Club songs, whilst it reached number two in the UK, Sweden, Spain and Greece. A chart success, despite the backlash it received from some critics, and it was considered a bit of a failure on the main US Billboard chart. The reaction to the song had an effect on the album of the same title, Madonna's ninth studio record. Its 5 million sales were below that of previous achievements for Madonna. But music critics have had a change of mind in recent years and consider the album to be ahead of its time. It also perhaps has a strong emotional connection with Madonna, who, when performing a largely laid-back one-off concert in Sydney in 2016, performed four album tracks from American Life at a time when she had become estranged from her eldest son, perhaps because memories of this album reminded the star of her child. The song is, of course, co-written and co-produced with Mirwais Amadzai, who considers it to be one of his favourite records he created with Madonna. The song's video was directed by Jonas Ackland, one of the star's long-term collaborators, and showed Madonna at a fashion show, which was interwoven with statements opposing the US military intervention in Iraq and the upcoming invasion. While Madonna was used to courting controversy, when threats were issued against her children, she recut the video to show just one of the setups, the one recorded against green screen, and dropped the original footage, which had included violent imagery and even a cameo by a George W. Bush lookalike. The song was Madonna's take on the so-called American dream, the ideal by which equality of opportunity is available to any American, allowing the highest aspirations and goals to be achieved. And her declaration that, having achieved it, she was not satisfied. But its delivery was confused, with a huge change of perspective in the second half of the song, with a rap where she lists her many achievements. Possibly intended to be humorous, possibly intended to be humble, something didn't click with the general audience, and the song is not particularly well respected beyond Madonna fans. But as a composition, it's charming, and as a production, it's very interesting. As we are digging on the multi-track campaign, that old session, but the only thing that's left to prove is when we go inside the groove. So, I went into a bar, looking for sympathy, a little company. I tried to find a friend, it's more easily said, it's always been the same. This type of modern life is not for me. You are the best thing I've seen 
Hello, my name is Edward Russell, and you will not be hearing me rap again. Well, not this episode, anyway. Also, if my voice is sounding perhaps a little bit different, well, that's thanks to the wonderful patrons who have supported this podcast. Because of their donations, I've been able to purchase all new recording equipment, which hopefully you all benefit from. So if you're one of those people, thank you again. And if you'd like to become one of those people, just head to patron.podbean.com slash inside the groove. You'll get early access to episodes and the odd special episode too. Now, I'm going to say, up front, I really like the song American Life. And I really like the album. It's one of my all-time favourites by Madonna. But it's hard to deny that it just did not connect with the general music audience. That's largely because of the rap. But why? Madonna had successfully rapped before. I'm going to investigate that in today's episode. If you listen to the podcast about the song Die Another Day, you'll have an idea of where Madonna's career was headed at the time she was recording the American Life album. Sessions had begun in 2001, stopping whilst Madonna recorded the film Swept Away, before resuming towards the end of 2002. Rumour has it that the 2001 compilation GHV2, at one point titled Second Coming, was due to be accompanied by a brand new song from these sessions, possibly even Hollywood. I don't know if that's true. I do know that Madonna later changed the melody of Hollywood, although that original version has never surfaced. Locked away in the vaults, who knows if we'll ever get to hear it. But both Madonna and Mirwais have talked a little about the recording of the song American Life. First, Madonna. Do I have to change my name? Will it get me far? The a cappella intro to American Life and the bulk of the song's lyrics discuss Madonna's need to fit in, the things that she's done in order to be accepted. And in various interviews, she's discussed how she is the epitome of the American dream, that she came from nothing and got everything. In a 2003 interview with Matt Lauer for Bravo, she explains how the lyrics depict her trying on different guises, different personalities, being a rebel, being androgynous, trying to be number one and on the top. I guess I did it wrong, meaning that I am 100% sure that getting people's approval is not a goal to have in life. I have all these things, I've experienced all these experiences, and I can tell you from my vantage point, which most people perceive at the top, that none of these things are really real. I see how obsessed with celebrity everyone is. If you're only halfway to the top, you can hardly say, I know it's not going to bring me happiness, but I know it's baloney. The thing is, if no one tells you that it's an illusion and no one brings your attention to it, how are you going to know? Talking of the composition itself, Madonna told Q Magazine, I could be having a guitar lesson and something will just come to me. Or Mioes will send me over music, rough stuff that doesn't have an arrangement, basic chord progressions. American Life itself came about like that. Indeed, whilst American Life does have verses and choruses, it doesn't follow a simple structure. It changes and progresses throughout the song. Of course, at the centerpiece is the strummy, folky guitar. 
That's played by Mirwais, but of course Madonna had begun to play the guitar herself. She'd been bought an acoustic guitar by her husband Guy Ritchie on her 42nd birthday, possibly inspired by the photo shoot for the music album. Madonna was given guitar lessons by tutor Monty Pittman, who has joined Madonna on many of her tours. And around the time of American Life, she was seen playing it a fair bit too. I'm not gonna, you know, I can't play all those. I mean, I can play a few, you know, Led Zeppelin songs, but. Can you do Zeppelin? Mm hmm. <laughs> Come on, Monty. How cool is Scareway to have? Now, Mia Weiss really likes American life. He says it's really sincere and he likes that it has an unusual style. Of course, they had worked together previously on the music album. Mirwais produced around half of the songs. But this time, was Madonna taking Mirwais' sound all for herself? I couldn't say that, Mirwais told Remix magazine. There is some influence from my work. I am what I am. But she wants to be minimal in terms of structure. This way, the album is like one of my albums. It's a very close collaboration. Technically, I am the producer, but I don't work with many people because I'm not interested to work like that. Yet, if she wasn't famous, I think we could work together exactly the same way. The American Life album was recorded across three different locations. Mirwais' home studio, Sun West in London, and Wheatfield and Webster Lake in Los Angeles. He said, We tried to underproduce many tracks to make them sound rougher than the average international pop production. We want to do something totally modern and futuristic, but not very apparent. You have to be very minimalist and choose every sound very carefully. Some tracks were composed in the big studio. That can be very dangerous because you can lose perspective. But all the initial directions of the tracks were made in my home studio. And of course, American Life includes that stuttering sound both on the guitars and on the vocals. He talks about that. He says, many people think stuttering is my trademark. But in the future, everyone will do this. People get upset because they think it's not natural to skip and stutter the music. But I do it because it is natural. The stuttering can help you create a new groove. Everything has been done, but with Pro Tools, you can play with the silence. I stop the audio to create a silence, and it gives something exciting to the music. Indeed. Here are the drums. Mirwais preferred not to use samples, but presets from the Emu sample bank. But later in the song, when you get the second part of the rap, he uses that very familiar sound of the TR-909 snare drum. And you can probably hear there's a lot of bass in that kick drum. That's because there's no bass in the song. The closest you get is this Nord synth. It sounds great. And later on, it gets distorted. Now, something that may be of interest for you keyboardists and producers out there, 
Neil Wace likes to play with legato and with any sort of modulation, portamento that he can. If you don't know what I'm talking about, well, it's difficult to explain, but rather than just pressing a note on the key and it's creating a whole new sound, it's a way of putting expression onto the synthesizer. He said in that interview with Remix magazine, You have to be very careful with the controller and the way the filter is used. With bass synth sounds from the Nord Lead 2, if you don't use the legato, if you don't add expressiveness, it's very static sounding. This is why some electronic music is very cold. This part on the multi-track is labelled as Herbie Synth. I wonder if that refers to synth pioneer Herbie Hancock. Again, another very 80s sound. This is in the chorus, and I don't think it's on the final mix. There's also another pad from the Nord again. Again, this is in the chorus, and once more, I think it was left out of the final mix. lot of sub bass and rumble on that one Ugh. and this is probably the closest we get to some bass and this distorted sound is near the end of the track there's also quite a few special effects that you hear right at the very end again buried in the mix Sounds almost like a sci-fi soundtrack with an old-fashioned modem. That siren sound works particularly well on the original cut of the video. And of course, there's some guitar in the track. Hear how it's chopped up. And here too. And we also have this glitchy guitar. This is obviously quite reminiscent of Don't Tell Me. But as you get to the third chorus, you get more straightforward playing from Mirways. Here we go with that. Madonna's vocals. Let's start with her backing vocals. American Hear how he clips the ends of the vocals. American Dream. There it goes again, and this makes more sense. Uh, let me just play you Madonna's lead vocal a second. I tried to be a boy, I tried to be a girl, I tried to be a mess, I tried to be the best, I guess I did it wrong. 
That's why I wrote this song. Now, what Mirwais has said about vocals is really interesting. He likes to use really low-end compressors in the monitor mix that Madonna is hearing. So when she's listening to her own vocal through her headphones, she's getting it played back at sort of a very compressed sound. Compression pushes everything up to the limit. So Madonna is kind of getting a stressful version of her own voice back at her. But what he also likes to do is chop up bits of the words, ends of words, beginnings of words, play around with them, play around with the timing, and auto-tune maybe just one or two syllables. But of course, the chorus of American Life is highly auto-tuned. Let me play you that. American Life I live the American dream You are the best thing I've seen You are not just a dream. Isn't it interesting how he even chops off the ends of the words? But the autotune is all Madonna's choice, according to Mirwais. He says, I am not a huge fan anymore of autotune, but Madonna wanted to use it because people know the effect, but more in a dance context than a pop context. If it had been me, I would have gotten rid of it. Indeed, in an interview in 2019, he said it was all Madonna's choice and it was an aesthetic choice, nothing to do with Madonna's ability to sing. But Madonna has also expressed the fact that she really likes the sound of processed vocals. And I guess when it's set against that very folky acoustic guitar, it's a really interesting artistic choice. But let's talk about the rap. Drinking a soy latte, I get a double shot. It goes through my body, and you know I'm satisfied. I drop my mini cooper, and I'm feeling super duper. You, they tell me I'm a trooper, and you know I'm satisfied. I do yoga and Pilates, and the room is full of hotties. So I'm checking out the bodies, and you know I'm satisfied. I'm digging on the isotope to smell the physical. Open. If all this can give me hope, you know I'm satisfied I got a lawyer and a manager, an agent and a chef Three nannies, an assistant and a driver and a jet A trainer and a butler and a bodyguard of five A gardener and a stylist, do you think I'm satisfied? I'd like to express my extreme point of view I'm not a Christian and I'm not a Jew I'm just living out the American dream And I just realized that nothing is what it seems I had to play the rap in full, I love it I'm sure many of you do too I can remember when I first heard the song playing it over and over again till I learned all the words and could say it as well as Madonna did. But we have to face the facts. The general public didn't like the rap. I'd really like to investigate and discuss why that is. Now, lots of people will tell you that it's ageism and sexism, and some will even suggest that it's racism. And to an extent, they're right. Rap music is, of course, the domain of black male stars. And of course, you could mention Missy Elliott and TLC, to name just a few female stars who have made a whole career from rapping. But white females, less so. That said, and you may be aware of this, the very first rap record to chart was Blondie with Debbie Harry rapping in Rapture. And of course, Madonna rapped back in 1990 on Vogue. That was a huge success. Nobody balked at it at all. Well, from what I remember anyway. So why were they doing that in 2003 with American Life? Well, there's lots of reasons. I think that back in 1990, Madonna was young and cool and could get away with it. Her career had been non-stop heading upwards like a rocket. But it had faltered a little during the 90s and the early noughties. Not everybody was keen to accept Madonna as still the cool superstar that she used to be. And there's the fact that she was a 44-year-old housewife mother of two, generally not thought to be the sort of person that would rap. 
Now, that doesn't mean that she shouldn't or that she couldn't. In fact, I think she executes it really well. The problem is she'd set herself up for a fall and then she let people down. And I think it's largely down to the choice of words, particularly in that first section. Listen to those words. I'm drinking a soy latte, I get a double shotty, it goes right through my body and you know I'm satisfied. Hmm, not the greatest lyrics, are they? And yeah, I know younger and even male rappers can get away with that kind of stuff. But if you're looking for ridicule, you've got it there with Madonna. And it gets worse. She doesn't have a drop-top compressor. No, she has a Mini Cooper and she's feeling super duper. Oh, who says super duper? And who drives around in a Mini Cooper? I know that Madonna was driving that kind of vehicle, but she may well as have said that she had a Robin Reliance at the time. It was just a bit embarrassing. And it needn't have been. And then we get the second section where she lists all the various people in her life, her privileged life. Now, rap can be aspirational and there's often a humble brag. But Madonna had built a career on being accessible. We all felt that we could be Madonna, that she was just the very best version of us. And here she's doing anything but a humble brag. All these wonderful things in her life that nobody else has and nobody else wants. And then she turns around and says, it's not great. Now, I know a lot of you will say that she was being humorous, that she was being ironic. But I don't think she set that up at all. It's quite a serious song and there's no signal ahead of the rap that it's meant to be taken with a pinch of salt. The track Mother and Father, also American Life, has a rap in it, but it's a little bit more accessible there. You have that playground music at the start, so you're expecting something that's a bit more light-hearted despite the heavy lyrics. It's signposted in a way that it's not on the American Life track. It's possibly the reason why, along with the pulling of the video, the album failed to ignite the charts. In fact, it got a few bad reviews, although I don't understand that because I was in a special listening party for the press at the time at the Electric Cinema in Notting Hill Gate, and we were played the American Life album probably a month before it was released. And everybody in that room, and there were lots of people from Radio 1 and Q Magazine and all sorts, all really, really enjoyed the album. But I guess once there's a backlash against Madonna, lots of people want to jump on that. Well, they're lost really. Madonna reacted against it and what we got in turn was Confessions on a Dance Floor, possibly her most commercial album ever and certainly one of her best, I think. So while as fans we like to pontificate and wonder what could have been, what should have been, should there have been a different lead single, it doesn't really matter. It all worked out in the end. Of course, these are just my opinions, and you're welcome to agree and disagree or have discussions with lots of other fans as well. If you followed Inside the Groove on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram, these conversations happen all the time, and you're welcome to join in. Talking of fandom, the next episode is going to see Inside the Groove teaming up with the MLVC podcast. The guys invited me onto their podcast a few months ago, and now it's time for me to return the favour. And we're going to try and figure out what is Madonna's most underrated gem. After that, it's time for a regular episode. But for now, to play out, we're going to listen to that rap in full a cappella. Speak soon. I'm drinking a soy latte. I get a double shot. It goes through my body and you know I'm satisfied. I drive my Mini Cooper and I'm feeling super duper. Yo, they tell me I'm a trooper and you know I'm satisfied. I do yoga and Pilates and the room is full of hotties. So I'm checking out the bodies and you know I'm satisfied. I'm digging on the isotopes. This metaphysics is dope. And if all this can give me hope, you know I'm satisfied. I got a lawyer and a manager, an agent and a chef. Three nannies, an assistant and a driver and a jet. A trainer and a butler and a bodyguard of five. A gardener and a stylist. Do you think I'm satisfied? I'd like to express my extreme point. 
point of view. I'm not a Christian and I'm not a Jew. I'm just living out the American dream. And I just realized that nothing is what it seems.